Good morning to everybody. Isn't it great to be here today? Beautiful, beautiful time inside here, but also beautiful outside. We all woke up this morning with a great blessing. I neglected to mention that Sydney Hers is also home ill. Please keep her in your prayers on an ongoing basis as well. Well, a few days from today, we celebrate as a nation Thanksgiving Day. I understand that this was a declared a national holiday by President Abraham Lincoln, I believe around 1862 or 1863, and has been celebrated as such ever since. I like the Thanksgiving holiday. I like the Thanksgiving holiday because it motivates a whole lot of people who don't think about God very much to think about God and all of the blessings that God has bestowed upon them. And that's important for us. We need to stop and think about how much God has done for us, how much he has blessed us. And I think we probably tend to focus a whole lot of the time more on the negatives in our lives than on all of the blessings with which God has genuinely blessed us. And today, I'd like for us to think more deeply as to just how blessed we truly are how deeply we are blessed by God. We're blessed in some ways that I don't think we even think about. We don't even realize a lot of times. And a lot of the things that, that are blessings from God, we, we just kind of take for granted. But if there's anything truly good in our lives, truly good, then it's a blessing from God. James tells us that in James chapter one and verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So I want us to think about how our blessings. And as I began to write this particular lesson, I, I thought, okay, how many different blessings can we put down? Surely we can't put them all down, because that, would, that list would be way too long to try to bring out even just quickly mentioning them. But, but I want us to think about blessings in some cases that we probably don't think about that much. Now, some of them will be apparent, but some of them we may not think about as being blessings from God as much as we should think about them as being blessings from God. So let's, as that song we just sung a few moments ago, let us count our blessings one by one. And that ought to impress upon us even more how much God has done for us, how much he has done for us. Well, what about food, clothing, shelter? Do you have that to enjoy? Those are all blessings from God. They're not, they're not just, you know, kind of inconsequential. Those are blessings from God. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 25, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than, than food and the body more than clothing? Look, and he makes a comparison here. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
If God takes care of the birds of the, uh, of the air, if he takes care of the animals in the field and in the jungles around the world where there are jungles, don't you think God will take care of you because he cares about you? He created you in his image with a soul, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. You are unique from all other, all other creatures, all other living beings. He goes on in verse 28 and he says, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon, that glorious king from a physical perspective, with all of that wealth and all of that power and might, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And then he drops down a little bit further. And I want to focus just on verse 33. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all the, his righteousness and all, those, all these things shall be added to you. Do you realize that God adds to you the blessings of food, clothing, shelter on a regular basis? Have you stopped and thought about in other parts of the world where there are so many people who do not enjoy these, at least in the abundance that we do on a common basis, those are blessings from God. We need to count those as blessings. Well, let's go a little bit further. Are you blessed with reasonably good health? Now, someone might say, well, yeah, you know, I'm hurting. I'm, boy, my knee, you, you know, or, or my hip or my back or, or, you know, I'm struggling with headaches or whatever. I've been having some headaches lately. And I don't usually have headaches. And that, that, that bothers me some. But you know, our health is good enough that we can be here today. Our health is good enough that we probably can work our jobs or earn our living or continue in whatever station of life we might find ourselves, even if we're retired. We can take care of the things that we need to take care of. Blessed with reasonably good health. Is that inconsequential? Is that just something that, that automatically happens? It's a blessing from God. Think about all the people around the world. Think about all the people in this country. Think about all the people in our prayer list every single Sunday, every week. It's filled with people who need our prayers for healing, for comforts, for strength, and for other situations as well. The wise man wrote, Solomon, in Proverbs chapter 3, beginning with verse 7, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. If we are walking with God in faithful obedience consistently, we not only can be thankful to him for our health being as good as it is, but we can pray to him that he will continue to take care of us in our health. And that's a prayer that we ought to be praying every day. Well, what about those of you who are married? Do you love your spouse? Your husband, your wife, do they exhibit love back toward you? Do you think that, again, is just something that's kind of just fell into place without any, without any guidance from God? It's a blessing from God. The wise man again wrote in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Well, think about that from the reverse perspective, because I, I believe the principle also applies from that perspective. He who finds a husband finds a good thing and obtains, and obtains favor from the Lord. It's a blessing from God to be able to enjoy 
the marriage relationship the way God designed it to be enjoyed. And, and what happens within that relationship? You're blessed with children. How sad it is that in our, our, our culture right now, children have become more and more in the minds of a couple who have conceived those children, they have become more and more a nuisance, a hindrance, something to be disposed of through abortion rather than to be looked at as an incredible, tremendous blessing from God. Children exhibit our love between our husbands and wives. They're blessings from God. Look at how the, the psalmist put it in Psalm 127, beginning with verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward, a reward, not a punishment. As again, it seems to be gaining so much emphasis in the mindset of our culture right now. Children are not a punishment, they're a reward from God. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, very descriptive language here, so are the children of one's youth. And then look at this. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. What's a quiver? It's the pouch that holds the arrows of the warrior or the man going out to hunt for food for his family. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Are you blessed to be able to pray to Almighty God for all of your needs, all of your concerns, all of your desires according to his will. You know, not everybody has that blessing because not everybody's walking with God. Not everybody believes in God through Jesus Christ. But you have, as Christians, the blessing to be able to pray to God every day, all through the day, to petition him for what you perceive to be the needs in your life, the good godly desires, but also to pray to him to give thanks for all of the blessings that he has already bestowed upon you. Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah 33 and verse 3, God's word, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Have you thought about all of the great and mighty things that God has blessed you with in your life? Or have you just kind of taken them for granted? Or have you, again, just kind of focused on the negatives that you have experienced in life? Call to me. I will answer you and and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And whatever the needs are, we are so blessed to be able to pray to God who is absolutely all-powerful. And that particular identity of his character and nature is repeated throughout the scriptures. Ephesians 3 and verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And I've emphasized a number of times in reading this particular scripture and and expounding on it a little bit, if you're looking at those words that are translated into the English as exceedingly and abundantly, those are adverbs. And you never put two of them in succession, ever, because that's considered, that's considered extra redundance. 
You don't need to say it twice. In fact, some purists, when you come to English grammar, would, would say you don't need any adverbs, basically, hardly ever, but never two in a row. Now, why? Why does God's word emphasize so emphatically the power of God? Because we can never overemphasize it. We need to come to understand that, that he is that powerful. Beyond our imaginations, he is powerful. And you can pray to God who is that powerful for all of your needs and all of your concerns and all of your desires. As a faithful Christian, you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Have you ever thought about what the apostle Paul wrote there in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3? In Christ, we're blessed with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Well, think about those. In verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 1, and we're not going to look in detail at all of that long list that Paul laid out there for us, but let's pull out some highlights. In verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Have you thought about what a blessing it is that God, when you were baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, adopted you as his son or daughter, brought you into his family. What an incredible blessing that is. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Now, what does that word redemption mean? We have been bought back by God through Christ. He, he sacrificed his son on the cross to pay the price to buy us back from the guilt and condemnation of our sin. And all of us have become guilty of sin, right? Romans 3 and verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verses 9 through 10, or verses 9 through 11 in that same chapter. We can look at others as well. Sin is the greatest problem of mankind. But God bought us back, if we will come to him, through Jesus Christ, in repentance of our sins, Luke 13 and verse 3, if we will come to him, confessing openly our faith in Christ as his son and our Lord and Savior, Matthew 10, 32, if we will surrender to him through Jesus in baptism, so that the blood that he shed on the cross can cleanse us of the guilt of our sins, Acts 22 and verse 16, then we will be saved in him. Matthew 6, uh, Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Isaiah the prophet wrote in Isaiah 59, verses, verses 2 and 3, that our sins separate us from God. But God paid the price through Jesus. Jesus paid that price in his physical body on that cross so that we could be bought back, come back into a right relationship with God, forgiven of our sins, redeemed, saved in him. We go a little bit further. Verse four again. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We see wickedness and corruption and ungodliness and evil all around us, don't we? But God has blessed us again through the sacrifice of his son on the cross 
and the gospel plan of salvation, he has blessed us to be counted holy and without blame before him in love. So that we have the opportunity to stand before our Lord and Savior at judgment, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, already forgiven, already in a safe state, so that we can be blessed with eternal life. And verse 13 talks about that verse, or that, that eternal life. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of the truth of the gospel of your salvation. Salvation, eternal life with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in heaven. And that's forever and ever. We look at verses 13 and 14 from a different perspective now. Having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, again referring to our eternal home in heaven, until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. And so we're sealed with the Holy Spirit as the guarantee of our salvation and eternal life in Christ. All of these are blessings, spiritual blessings in the heavenly places and in Christ. And that's the qualifier, in Christ. What a blessing to partake of the Lord's Supper with all of its meaning. I hope we never get to the point where we see that as kind of a, an encumbrance or kind of, you know, just we got to get this done. Boy, it takes so much time or whatever. We're blessed to be able to partake of the, of the Lord's Supper every single first day of the week because of all the meaning that it holds for us. Jesus said when he was instituting it before the apostles on the night of his betrayal, Matthew chapter 26, beginning with verse 26, he said, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. He broke it because his body would be broken into on that cross as the nails would be driven through his hands and his feet and the spear would be plunged into his side and the thorns would be pushed down upon his upon his head. He said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, the new covenant, the new testament between God and mankind through Christ. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. He shed his blood on that cross so that we could have the opportunity to be forgiven. But that's not all of the meaning within the supper as we partake of it every first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. You're helping people learn about Jesus through your example till he comes and you're telling them he's coming back one day on that final day of judgment. How blessed we are to be able to look forward to that eternal home in heaven when Jesus does come back on that day. Matthew 24 and verse 46, Jesus said, Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. And chapter 25 and verse 34, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. How blessed we are as faithful, dedicated Christians to be able to look forward to that 
that coming, that ultimate destiny that we have spiritually. A home in heaven, that inheritance as it is portrayed for us. And then to think about our Lord and Savior loving us so much and being so personally intertwined, at least he wants to be within our lives personally, that he's gone to heaven to prepare that home for us. In John chapter 14, beginning with verse 1, on the night of his betrayal, he tells the apostles, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in me, or you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you also may be. What a blessing. What a blessing that Jesus loves us so personally, that God loves us so personally, that Jesus himself went to heaven to prepare that place for us. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, the ultimate result of your continued faithfulness and faith in Christ as our Lord and Savior, God as our creator and heavenly father, the salvation of your souls. There is nothing even remotely as valuable as our souls, as that, that bit of God's creation within us that makes us unique from everything else he created because in that way we're created in his image. We're blessed to know also that God will protect us from the devil, our greatest enemy, and from all of his temptations, all of his ways that he'll try to pull us down and away from God and into sin and thereby into condemnation. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, the apostle Paul wrote, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That's a promise from God. Sometimes people think, I, can't, I just can't say no to sin. I, can't, I, I cannot refrain from it. it. It's like it has a hold over me, a power over me. God says, ah, uh -uh, I'll never let that happen. But you have to make up your mind to say no to it. And I'll be there to, to, to see you through that if you'll make up your mind. James chapter 1 and verse 12, James wrote, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, and the idea is without succumbing to it. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And James goes on and helps us understand more fully how we can endure temptation without, over, without succumbing to it. In chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, he says, Therefore, submit to God. Make up your mind. Clear your mind of all other supposed alternatives and focus your direction and your commitment upon God and Jesus. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you, James says. And again, that's God's word. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. As we make up our minds to walk with God consistently, dedicated, committed, obedient, then 
God says the devil has no room in your life. You, will, you resist the devil by, by coming to me and I'll give you the victory. I'll never let the devil throw anything at you in any way, in any form that's going to be so overwhelming, so overpowering that you cannot possibly resist it. He says, I'll always make the way for you to say no, to escape the temptation. What a blessing from God. What a blessing that promise is. Blessed. We're blessed to not have to try to fumble our way through life on our own. We're blessed to have God's word as our guidebook, as our manual, as our roadmap to guide us through this life all the way to the tree of life. And that's eternal life in heaven. Think about that. Psalm 119 verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Probably every single one of us at some time and maybe on numerous occasions, <laughs> have gotten up in the middle of the night. We didn't turn a light on. We started walking somewhere through the house and stubbed our toe on a piece of furniture or maybe on a door facing. Or maybe we just walked into a wall, tripped over something we didn't see there because we didn't have a light. We understand what the light is for. It's to light our path. And God's word is a spiritual light to be a lamp to my feet and a light to our path. In Revelation 22 and verse 7, behold, I'm coming quickly is the message from our Lord. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And then in verse 14, blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life in heaven and may enter through the gates of the city. How blessed we are to have God's word to guide us in the light of his will and his love for us. And then think about this. Physical death is certain. But how blessed we are to be able to die physically in the Lord spiritually. What does the Hebrews writer say in Hebrews 9 and verse 27? It is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. In Revelation 14 and verse 13, then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Blessed are those, blessed are us as faithful Christians to be able to die. We're going to die physically unless the Lord comes again first, but to die in the Lord, forgiven, saved, looking forward to eternal life in heaven with him. Oh, how blessed we are. How blessed we are. You are blessed so richly as you live faithfully in the Lord. You're blessed in so many ways, and myself too, that we don't even think about so much of the time. We're blessed in ways that we do not realize because of God's minute and such deep care in the way that he went about creating us and creating this world around us. 
as you live faithfully in the Lord, and there's the key again, faithfully in the Lord, we're so blessed, blessed so richly in so many ways, and so many of which we do not realize, and even if, in some of them, if we thought, stopped and thought about it, yeah, 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 that is a blessing from God, but we don't think about a lot of those so much of the time. But we need to give our attention. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 2, and this was a message to Israel, but look at the principle that still applies to us today. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. A whole lot of people want the blessings without the commitment, without the faithfulness, without the, the dedication, without the obedience. But this was the message to Israel, and it's still a message to us in principle. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. God's blessings are upon the righteous. The wise man wrote in Proverbs 10 and verse 6, blessings are in the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Chapter 28, verse 20, the faithful man will abound with blessings but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. And I think we're to understand hastens to be rich in ungodly ways, by ungodly means. You will be blessed when the Lord finds you watching, watching for his return, living in such a way that you're looking forward to that, that you're always trying to be prepared for that day when the Lord comes again to judge all mankind and usher the saved into heaven and pronounce the eternal doom of the unsaved, the lost, the ungodly. In Luke 12 and verse 37, blessed are those servants whom the master when he comes will find watching. Verse 38, and if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. Blessed are those servants. Verse 43, blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. And we've really not even hardly touched the hem of the garment when we're stopping thinking about counting all of our blessings. But I want to bring one more to your attention. One more blessing to count. As the song says, count your blessings. Name them one by one and see what God has done in your life. One more blessing to count that you may not have thought about. That I may not, have, may not think about much of the time. The blessing that comes in serving others in serving others. We've had doctors, we have doctors now, we have doctors in training, medical people in training, and I would say without any hesitation that almost certainly they're in that particular field of endeavor because they want to serve others. But they're not the only ones who should be wanting to serve others. All of us as faithful Christians should be wanting to serve others in ways that we can and that are appropriate.
before God. John 13, verses 14 through 17, the night of his betrayal that Jesus gave the apostles a lesson in serving one another. He washed their feet. And after he did, he said, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to do you also ought to wash one another's feet. I don't think that was the specific lesson. That was something that was common in that culture of that day and that part of the world. But he's, thinking, he's talking about serving one another. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is, he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed Blessed are you if you do them. A blessing in serving others. And in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you realize the blessing in serving others? Do you realize how much God has blessed you in so many ways? All of us, and myself included, I don't think of all those ways. On a common basis, I try to be more aware and realize that even some little things that come along that are truly good, James 1 and verse 17, are blessings from God. But I'm sure I still don't catch all of them. And there are so many that we don't even, we're not even aware of that God blesses us with in ways that we don't think about, that we may not, again, realize. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. See what God has done in your life. And let me tell you, that should be a great motivation to come to him through Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation. Repenting of our sins openly embracing and confessing our faith in Christ and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of our sins. If we have stumbled along the way to come back to God through Jesus in prayer for forgiveness and strengthening again, we'd love to help you in either of these ways. If you need to come, won't you come right now as we stand together and sing.